There's kind of a theme this morning of grace, God's amazing grace, isn't there? And uh, we're going to talk about serving grace, which might sound a little interesting. You're probably thinking of things and wondering how I'm going to weave that title in. We're in week three of Ephesians, and therefore we are on chapter three of Ephesians. A Life of Spiritual Blessing is, is our, our series name. And Ephesians, remember, it was written to a small a, group, a small group of small churches. Uh, they, the center was Ephesus, but they were meant to pass the letter on to all these other uh, small churches, and they shared in what Paul had written to them. As we've been looking at the first couple chapters, we've seen that God's plans included us. They uh, included us before the world began, which is an amazing thing to think about. When we're in Christ, when we have surrendered to Christ, we learn that we're blessed. We have a spiritual inheritance. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, which is mind-blowing when you really understand what that means. It means that we like receive what joint heirs with him means what Christ receives, we get to receive it too. How awesome. Uh, we're no longer far off in sin when we follow Jesus Christ, but we're near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We've gone from people who could only see God from a distance and wonder about a relationship with him. We were outside that door of the relationship with God. And we've become those who can go into the house to come off that front porch and come through the front door and come into the house and be part of the family. We are up close with God. We are in the arms of the Heavenly Father, sons and daughters of God with all the blessings that go with that relationship. So today, let's read on in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Take out your Bibles, turn to chapter 3, and we'll start at verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly... In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and make it plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So let's stop there for a moment and uh, just kind of go through this part. So Paul here says he's bound, or a, a prisoner, bound to Jesus Christ. In other places, he calls himself a bond servant. Because of the ministry to the Gentiles, he said he is bound to Jesus Christ. So what he means by that, it's more than just a calling. Uh, he's bound to that ministry that God gave him. And um, how could Paul quit? You know, he's been arrested, he's in jail, he's in prison right now, and how could he quit? Uh, he couldn't quit, he's saying. He's saying, in my inner man, I know I have no other option but to follow what Jesus has given me to do. 
He says, surely you've heard of the fact that I've been entrusted with this administration or this special dispensation. If you look at the original Greek, that's another way you could say this special dispensation of God's grace given to me for the Gentiles. So he's saying that this is a special thing I've been given to bring the word of God, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So normally, who did God work through to get his message out to the rest of the world? What do you think, guys? The Jewish people, yeah. He normally worked through the Jewish people. An example of this is in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Uh, God's speaking to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be best through you. So God here speaking to Abraham, he's making a covenant with Abraham and he's saying, I'm going to work through you and your descendants to bless the rest of the world. And um, he had a covenant with them. This was something that God normally did. But when God sent his son Jesus Christ, it was for all of us. It was, uh, therefore, uh, when that happened, um, uh, many Jewish people did not receive Jesus as their Messiah, so therefore he used the church and the Gentile believers to spread that gospel of the kingdom to the world. And that is a special amount of grace to us, not the Jewish people, but the Gentiles, the church, to spread that message. This special dispensation or this special time, we sang about it this morning, we've talked about it before, it's the church age that we're in right now. God is primarily using the church. And Paul tells them that this mystery, this gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, was made known to him through revelation. So question for all of you again, why tell them that the gospel of Jesus Christ was given to him by revelation? Why would he say that to them? Because he didn't know it until it was revealed to him. Anything else? So they would believe him? So they'd believe him. Credibility. Gave him credibility, yeah. He's saying, I didn't know this before, but God revealed it to me. And we know he's talked about his testimony in other letters, other times. And it's confirming to them the message that Paul is giving them in this letter to say that this message that I'm telling you about was given to me by the revelation of God. And it also shows them that God is a God who still speaks to them. God is a God who still speaks to us too, not just through the, what the Greek word uh, logos, meaning written word, not just through the written word, but through the rhema word, the dreams, visions, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. He speaks to us through his Holy Spirit today as well. 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, Paul told another group, um, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And then he tells them about a time when he received a vision from the Lord. Sometimes God speaks to us through his word and we want to be reading his word daily because he will use that in a powerful way with us. But awesome times, other times, he will speak to us also through visions and revelation. Um, it might be through a dream you have at night. It might be through as you're praying, God just really puts a word in your heart or, or some other way God will speak to you, to reveal to you his will for you. Paul lets them know, as he's speaking to them here, that by reading this letter, hearing what he's telling them in the scriptures, they'll be able to understand 
his insight into the mystery of the Messiah. In the original Greek here, when he's telling him this, that, that by this you'll have insight, it means you'll be able to connect the dots. Uh, you'll be able to see how all these scriptures go together in revealing God's plan for our salvation through Jesus Christ. The facts join together to give us the big picture. Uh, we're so blessed. He says that not just the people he's writing to, but also to us too. We are so blessed because in generations past, they didn't know this. It was something that was revealed after Jesus Christ came to earth. So generations past, he said, didn't have the ability to know this as it's known now. And he's saying, you guys are blessed. It's been revealed through the Holy Spirit to the apostles and to the prophets. And just in case you missed what he meant, he tells us again, the mystery through the gospel is that the Gentiles all people on earth other than the Jewish people, okay, just everybody else, <laughs> are heirs together with Israel. Meaning that we, when we follow Jesus Christ and they follow Jesus Christ, it's like we're the same before God. We are joint heirs. We are heirs together, members of the same family, of one body. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. He's saying we are sharers together. We are partakers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. There's nobody better than, there's nobody less than. We all come on a level field before the cross of Jesus. We all can receive the promise. We all can live following Jesus Christ when we receive what he's done for us. Ephesians 1, as we read uh, in the first week, in verse 7 through 9, it says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Remember that lavished. He poured it out in abundance on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. So Paul is saying here, when we come and we're those partakers together um, in following Jesus Christ, partakers in the promise, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have God's grace poured out on us more than enough through Jesus Christ. We're God's sons and daughters. We're not far off. We're not wishing we had that relationship, but we're in the house in the Father's arms. Paul tells him in verse 7 that he became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to him. The Greek word here for servant has the sense of running an errand or being a waiter. Serving up the gospel to the people God sent him to. I mean, think about a time, okay, just to get a little Another picture of this. Think about a time you ate out in a restaurant recently. Okay, what made, this is for everyone, group question, what made the experience a good one? Good food, good service. Yeah, and so uh, what makes somebody a good waiter? Attentive. Friendly. pay attention to you and your needs. They do their job. They do their job. They do what they're hired to do, right? Okay, so when we serve up the gospel to others that we know, 
think about it in terms of your being like a waiter, serving them the gospel. Are we presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ in the best way that we can so they can receive it? Are we paying attention to them? Are we noticing their needs? Are we, are we, are we being friendly? Are we, you know, all these things that you like in a good waiter at a restaurant, think about that being part of how you help others receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, how you serve them the gospel. So Paul says he's able to do this through the gift of grace that God gave him. And it's not because of who he was, he says. In fact, he calls himself the least of all God's people. Uh, he has a humble opinion of himself. He's saying, you know what? It's not because I'm so great that I'm doing this. This is because of God's gift of grace to me. And uh, he says it's by the strong, efficient working of God's power in his life that he's able to do this. He knew it wasn't him doing those amazing things. He knew it wasn't him uh, healing people personally. It was God using him as a conduit. It wasn't him speaking and saying his own thoughts and words. It was God using him as a conduit to speak through him, to use him to uh, minister to other people. It was a gift of God's grace to him. And that gift of grace, that word gift, can also mean a spiritual gift there. Uh, when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we're able to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're able to say, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. And then when we receive that, when we're followers of Jesus Christ, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we get gifts of ministry mostly, but we get gifts to use to be able to uh, make the gospel known throughout the world. And Paul is saying, I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit here. And that's how I'm able to do this. We have the empowering of the Holy Spirit when we're surrendered to him. And God gives us also spiritual gifts, supernatural ability to minister. For Paul, it was that he was the apostle. He had the supernatural gift of teaching, of understanding how to... to uh, preach the word of God in such a way that the truths of God were given to those people and evangelizing, you know, taking the word into all parts of the world he could get to on his missionary journeys. This was because of God's gift to him from the Holy Spirit. God poured out the Holy Spirit on Paul and Paul received those gifts and that's why he felt bound to do God's will. He said, God gave me this not to squander it, but to use it. Uh, he knew he must follow and do what God had commissioned him to do. So think about this. If you are a follower of Christ, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, what is your gift of grace that God has given you? Are you using it to follow him? Are you using it to advance the kingdom of God? Or are you letting it sit and not really using it? Paul would challenge you today to not squander that, but to be bound by the things God called you to do and use it to serve him. God will equip you and strengthen you to do that very thing he created you to do. We don't have to get up enough strength on our own. We don't have to figure out how we're going to do it on our own. God's Holy Spirit will lead and guide, strengthen and empower you to do it. And that very thing that you do, that God has called you to do, let me tell you, that is the most fulfilling thing that you can do in your life. To do the thing, to use the gifting God's put in you. 
not only will it fulfill you, but Paul says it'll show you the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Paul was given the grace to preach, not just to tell everyone good stories, not just to draw a crowd and tell them some good things. He realized that God's grace to him was that he be able to preach to the Gentiles about the unsearchable riches of the Messiah. This Greek word that in here it talks about unsearchable or unfathomable means it cannot be traced. Unable to fully comprehend, unable to be discovered. That word unsearchable, it's also used in Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. The riches of the Messiah, it's like this riches of wisdom and knowledge of God, like God's judgments and paths. God is above our comprehension. And when Paul preached about the unsearchable riches of Christ, he's talking about this abundance, this riches of the Messiah and the abundance of all that we have in Jesus Christ. And we can't understand it, can we? Not really. We can think we know a little of it, but we re really can't fully understand it. And we can't trace it. It's, it. It says can't trace it means it's unlimited. If I can trace it, if I can see it, if I can find it, that means it would have a limit, but I can't. Because all that I have in Jesus Christ, all that you have in Christ, the incredible riches of knowing him and the gift of grace from God is the unlimited abundance of God for us. I mean, do we live like we know that? Do we know, like, do we live knowing that we have this unlimited abundance of God for us? Or do we live with the mentality of a person on a fixed income and we can only have just this little bit? When God has this whole big banquet table full of never-ending spiritual wealth for us. And all we have to do is just receive it from him. So how would that change your life? If you haven't been living with that knowledge, how would that change your life to know that? Just think about that a moment. To really understand you have this abundance, more than enough, more than you could ever possibly understand or comprehend. It cannot be traced. It's so far beyond anything you could have. How could that change your life to really start understanding that it's like that? To really try and receive that and let God give you revelation of it. Paul said that his job is to make known the administration of this mystery, to make it plain to people, which was hidden in God who created all things from the beginning of the world. God purposed that this revelation would be made before creation, and he, before creation, he chose us. He chose you and me to let others know about it. In Ephesians 1, 4, he says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It tells us there in, in that chapter, too, that he purposed all of these things according to his will before he created the world. How awesome to know that what you and I get to do to let others know about Jesus Christ, that he purposed that for us before he created the world. Well, let's read on in Ephesians 3, starting at verse 10. So it, it has said in verse 9 that, you know, 
that it was kept, the mystery was kept hidden in Christ who created all, in God who created all things. And then 10, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So God's intent was that through the church to, to decree to the principalities and powers in the heavenlies the manifold witness of uh, wisdom of God. Before time began, he decreed this, that the church, that's you and me and all other people, all other churches that are, are following Jesus Christ, that that church would make known the wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. That's a pretty big job, right? But that's his intent. That's what he intended for us to do. Ephesians 1, 21 and 22 talk about how Jesus Christ is far above all rule, authority, power and dominion in every name that's invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And so he has placed Jesus over all of that. And that means that to every spiritual power when we are in Jesus Christ, we get to decree the wisdom of God. It tells us that this is the manifold wisdom of God. So that word manifold, I, I wanted to know more about that word manifold. That's not a word that I typically hear anybody using today, right? Ma what's manifold? It means many faceted. It's like a prism. So what does this mean about God's wisdom? Well, prisms reflect light, and they split it into those various components. Remember red, orange, yellow? Green, blue, indigo, violet, right? They split it into those components. The light comes in, it hits the prism, and it comes out in those seven other ones. But they tell us there's even more that the, the human eye can't see. It splits us into all of that, like a rainbow. In Isaac Newton's time, which was in the late 1600s uh, when he was uh, doing these experiments and things, uh, a lot of other people around him thought that prisms created new colors. They thought, that's cool, that's a new color coming out of that. Uh, but Newton found that different colors were already present in the light, but that the prism merely separated the colors that were already there. God's wisdom many is many-faceted. It's more than we can see. And we can act like prisms too and reflect God's wisdom to the world around us. His multifaceted wisdom can shine through us to the world around us. So how do we decree the wisdom of God to principalities and powers? We've been talking about how that's the intent of God. How do we do that? By living the life he purposed, yeah. By speaking his word. Yeah. All the things that God created us to do, all the things the word tells us is, is, is what he would like us to do, those things show the wisdom of God to the principalities. Verse 11 tells us it's according to his eternal purpose which he made known in Jesus Christ. So when we surrender our lives to Christ Jesus and follow him, we accomplish the things that, and when we accomplish the things he created us to do, you know, if it's not just the one thing, it's like 
that's the start of our relationship with him when we follow him. And then he has us do the things that he has created us to do. And when we do that, we're proclaiming, we're decreeing the wisdom of God to spiritual rulers and authorities, the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. When we're surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ in all that we do, it proclaims God's wisdom, the many-faceted wisdom of God to every spiritual force in existence, and it accomplishes God's plans and eternal purposes. It accomplishes his will. It tells us here in this chapter in Ephesians, in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom. That's pretty cool. I mean, think of it. The, the God who created the world and everything in it, Paul's saying we can approach him with freedom and confidence. And that means that since we are sons and daughters of God, we can come right up to the Father. We can boldly approach his throne. In the days of the Bible, no one could approach a king unless they were summoned or were a child of the king. I mean, it's kind of like if you and I went to see the President of the United States. I don't know if you've ever gone out there to Washington, D.C. and taken a tour of the White House, but I mean, you don't, you don't get to just go find the President and have a chat, let me just tell you. Uh, you have to be cleared by the Secret Service, and then you probably don't get to do anything other than what they allow you to do, you know? Um, but unless you're a child of the President. Remember this picture? Remember that picture? That's a child of the president right there. He not only can walk right in, he can play in the Oval Office. <laughs> so back in the day of Kennedy and his son, yeah, that illustrates for us, thank you, that illustrates for us that we have the freedom, the confidence to walk right up to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to come before the throne of God with confidence and boldness. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, when you've got a need, I mean, think of kids with their parents. They don't, like, go through some thing to come and ask. They, no, they just come and say, hey, hey, I need this. When they're, especially when they're little, they just start crying and say, I need some food, or I need this, or I need that. You know, we can come before God, our Father, and say, Lord, I need this. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Because of God's provision for us through Jesus Christ, and because we have faith in Christ Jesus, we can approach God with freedom, with boldness, with confidence. It's being able to come and sit by the Father and not worry about any kind of protocol or anything. Just go, go be by the Father. Go be by Jesus. Just trust him. Walk right in. Just where, at the throne room of God, it tells us that by the throne of God, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. We can come before him. We can be seated with him according to Ephesians 1 or 2. We're seated with Jesus. Paul says, therefore... Because of the fact you don't need to worry that you can come confidently before God, before the throne of God, don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't be weary. Know that he will listen to you. He is there. You are a son and daughter of God. You can come with boldness. And Paul said, these things that I'm going through, my sufferings, 
They might look like they should be discouraging and troubling to you, but they're actually for your praise. So I just ask you today to look at the things that are troubling you. Uh, the best praise we can give God in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our suffering, and that is difficult praise. But it proclaims his lordship over our situation when we praise the Lord. And it gives him the glory. So let's read the last part of this chapter, starting in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So he says in verse 14, he says, for this reason, and remember he started out at the first part of this chapter, for this reason, and then there's that hyphen there because he takes a little... For this reason, then he thinks, oh, i got to tell him some more. And then he comes back to that again and says, for this reason. So what is the reason he's talking about here? He says, for this reason, um, I, I, I'm doing this. I'm talking about this. And so to see what that is, we need to look before verse 1. In the end of chapter 2, he says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason... So the reason is that we're no longer foreigners and aliens, but when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're members of God's household. For this reason, we are joined together for this reason into a dwelling place for God. And because of that reason, I kneel, I bow my knees before the Father, and I pray for you. I pray before the Father who has given us his name. We're his family, sons and daughters, have the name of the Father. We are in his lineage. We are his family. That's why Jesus says we can address God as Father. Remember when he told the disciples how to pray? They said, how can we pray? And he told them, you say it this way. And, and the word there is Abba, meaning Daddy. A familiar term, not something way up there, out of reach, far off. No, but Daddy. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Daddy. We have that close relationship as sons and daughters. His goodness, His grace, and His love are unlimited to us. They are not dependent on us, but on Him. And He lavishes them on us. For this reason, we also can kneel before the Father and pray. 
out of his glorious riches, he says. So the riches of his glory, think about that. The riches that we have, what we have is out of that riches of glory. Awesome, immeasurable, powerful riches. And out of those riches, Paul prays that he'll strengthen you with the power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ can dwell in your heart through faith. And dwell here means that he's present in our heart. He abides there. He inhabits our heart when we ask him to come in to our hearts and be our Lord and Savior. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus speaking says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. See, he's saying he's standing at the door of our heart knocking before we receive him. And then he comes in when we invite him into our lives and he dwells with us. And Paul tells them that he prays for them, and believe me, this is a prayer for us too, that we would be rooted and established in God's love, that we'd have the stability of our faith in Jesus Christ and the power to grasp, to comprehend, to take eagerly, to seize it, to possess it, that power of the love of Christ. And he says to, to comprehend how long and wide and high and deep it is for us. In other words, it's overwhelming. Uh, we can't see a limit to it. He's saying to understand that, it's lavished on us. It's unsearchable. It surpasses any knowledge we could have. So we're filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what he says. So you're filled with the measure of all the fullness of God, which means we are holy completely filled with the abundance of God. And that Greek word there can mean crammed full. In other words, when the scripture talks about, you know, filled and pressed down, it's kind of like that. We're filled so full of all the fullness of God for what he has for us. Are you filled with all that God has for you? Is there an area where you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Is there an area you're holding back that you're not allowing him to fill? Maybe you've accepted him as your savior, but you're not yet allowing him to be your Lord. You need to give all of yourself, your heart, your mind, your strength to him and follow Jesus Christ fully. Paul said that the purpose of his ministry was to give the grace of God to the church so they could proclaim the wisdom of God. So we also have this ministry as followers of Christ, to give the grace of God to others. So how do we give grace? Well, first we surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't give what you don't have. You need to receive the gift of grace that Jesus offers. And then second, we need to ask God for revelation and wisdom. God freely gives this to us when we ask. Remember in James 5, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask. He gives it generously, without finding fault. That means that he's not going to say, oh my goodness, I can't believe you need more of that. <laughs> he's going to pour it out and lavish it on you. And third, to, to be able to um, give grace, you need to serve others in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to live our whole lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, but especially to give grace to others. Paul provided a personal example of how to minister to others, to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of declaring the gospel to those around us. It's not for us to just feel good about ourselves. It's to share that message of the Lord Jesus Christ with everyone around us. 
Acts 1.8, Jesus said to the disciples before he returned to heaven, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit power in us, is that we be his witnesses. And then in the end of this chapter, Paul commits them to the one, Jesus Christ, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or imagine. When they translated that, they used two different words, exceedingly abundantly, because in the Greek there's two of the same word, and they couldn't say, they didn't think they could say exceedingly, exceedingly, or abundantly, abundantly. But they could have, because that's what it means. It means it's above anything you could imagine. It's more than enough, more than you could ever uh, possibly use. It's abundantly above all we could ask or think. According to the power that's at work within us, like this electrical current of the Holy Spirit energizing us to help us to uh, realize God's power in us, it's available to us through our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then he says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me as we close? just ask you to just bow your head. Uh, first, I'll ask you, have you surrendered fully your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? All your heart, your mind, and strength. Have you become part of the family of God? And are you a son or daughter of his? And if you haven't yet, or if you're not sure, today is the day. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to receive the forgiveness of sins and become a follower of Jesus. If you want to do that today and make sure that you're definitely committed your life to the Lord, surrendered to him, just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. And then secondly, I'd like to ask you, do you need God's revelation and wisdom in your life to be able to serve, to let others know of the grace given you also for them, if you want more of God's revelation and wisdom in your life, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you today that your word has so many powerful things in it for us. Lord God, I thank you that uh, through us, when we follow you, when we're surrendered to you, when we receive you as our Lord and Savior, when we say, Lord Jesus, we want you as our Lord and Savior, thank you that you've forgiven our sins. Thank you that we have redemption through you. Thank you that we have wisdom and revelation of God available to us, that we have all of the riches and blessings, that they're not, they're so abundant, they're not able to be fully comprehended. Lord God, we want all the fullness of God for us. Lord God, just pour out your Holy Spirit on us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Give us the ability to do what you've called us to do. Like Paul, uh, Lord, let us, let us not think lightly of what you have equipped us to do, but let us want to serve you with all we are and all we have. Lord God, I thank you that uh, with you in our lives, Lord God, that we can do things that declare the wisdom of God to all the principalities, all the powers, all the spiritual uh, rulers. Lord, your word says that we declare the manifold witness of God. And Father, I pray that we would do that in all that we do. Help us realize, Lord, that there's a world around us that's watching, that's looking at us. And when we show your love and your peace and your joy in our lives, Lord, they see that there's a difference. Father, I pray that you'd use us to 
make that word known. Lord God, how they can know Jesus Christ, how they can come to be sons and daughters, to not be far off, to not be outside of what uh, knowing God is all about, but they can come in when they receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Come in and be part of the family of God. Lord God, I pray that we would want everybody that we know to be part of that. Give us your wisdom and how to do that. Show us what to do to bring that message to those around us each day. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.